Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. Father, we thank you for this Blessed Life series. To us, it's a gift presented uh, to the church by a man of God whom you've revealed and you've given your heart to him that he might minister to our lives. I pray that we not cast your word behind our back. I pray that we not harden our heart so we do not receive your instruction. And I pray, Lord, as we put your word in our lives, as we obey and implement and walk in your understanding, that you just make your blessings flourish in our hearts, in our lives, in our marriages, in our families, and in our community, so that we might continue to obtain all that you have for us. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A dream home, wonderful kids, the ideal job, and an overwhelming feeling of absolute emptiness. There's so much more. Join Pastor Robert Morris for the Gateway Series, The Blessed Life, as he shares how to have a blessed life. You'll discover that there's so much more to life. Turn to uh, John chapter 12, open your Bibles to John 12, and then put a marker at Mark chapter 14, all right? Open your Bibles to John 12, put a marker at Mark chapter 14. You know this, uh, I, I want to say something as your pastor, we're in a series called The Blessed Life, and I want to let you know as your pastor, I am so proud of you. I am so proud of you because you're getting it. Uh, this is a truth in Scripture that will affect every area of your life. And, and people are coming up and telling me, uh, I can see it uh, in our offerings. I can see it when I talk with people, the testimonies. Um, it, it's like if I were preaching on prayer and uh, you're, you were telling me, I'm getting it. I'm praying more than I've ever prayed. And I know prayer is going to change your life. So it's the same way. The, the only reason I preach the blessed life is to help you. And everyone, I think, knows that, that knows me. Uh, by the way, this morning, uh, I, I, uh, how many of you uh, were going to sleep in this morning, but you still woke up early? Can I see your hands? Okay. Same with me. I thought, okay, this is the morning. And I woke up very early and uh, couldn't go back to sleep. And I thought, well, I'll just I'll, um, go get a little breakfast and uh, Debbie was able to sleep in, which I was very happy <clears throat> about that. <clears throat> but um, so 
Anyway, and, I, and then I thought of some things I needed at Walmart, so I went to Walmart. This just happened this morning. I'm standing in line. There's a guy in front of me, and he's got a couple of little items there. And then he's standing there, and he, there are Tic Tacs, you know, little breath mints. And I can see him trying to decide. And then he takes them, and he puts them on the counter, and he takes the little stick thing and separates what he's buying and from the Tic Tacs. And then he turns around and sees me and starts crying. I didn't know I had that effect on people, personally. I mean, he just, and people are in line behind this, and I don't know what to say. You know, I don't know why he's crying. I mean, he's crying. And so he said to me, he said, I have to tell you, he said, I pastor a, a small church and trophy club. I listen to you every week. I've been listening to The Blessed Life. And he said, I, I, I'm buying some things for the church, that the, some supplies the church needed, and I wanted to get some Tic Tacs, and I was wrestling in, in myself, you know, I need to pay for this separately. Even though it's a dollar, this is not for the church, this is for me. And he said, I thought to myself, what would Robert Morris do? <laughs> And so he decided to pray for me because he said, I remembered your message last week that if we can't even have, handle money, you know, why would God give us people? And um, anyway, and then he turned around and saw me. He said, I, I felt like I saw a ghost. And I said to him, I said, you never know who's watching. So anyway, I told him he should get a little bracelet, you know, WWRMD. Okay. Okay. Let's keep it WWJD, all right? All right, here's the title of the message today, Am I Generous? I started to put this in the, I put it in the first person, I started to put it in the second person, are you generous? But I thought about if someone asked you this week, hey, I was out of town, I missed the message, what was the message? I didn't want us to say, are you generous? I want all of us to answer the question, including me, am I generous because sometimes I am and sometimes I am not. So John chapter 12 verse 1, then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. By the way, just so you know, the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead is in John 11, but it's been two months since Lazarus had been raised from the dead in John 12. There are two months that have elapsed here, all right? Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil, but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii, that's a year's wage, and given to the poor? This he said, watch very carefully, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box or the offering box is what this is referring to, and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, let her alone, she's kept this for the day of my burial, which is only a few days away, for the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. Now, when I read this the very first time, I thought, why did Mary give such a, an extravagant gift? That's one question. Second question would be, and why did it bother Judas so much? 
And it tells us both of those reasons in the story, and we'll talk about it, all right? So I want to show you that there are two hearts displayed in this passage. There's a heart of selfishness and a heart of generosity. And I want us to look at some principles about generosity. So here's number one, the enemy of generosity. The enemy of generosity, and the enemy is not a person, even though it's displayed through Judas. The enemy of generosity is selfishness. And every one of us, every one of us has to deal with selfishness in our lives. We have it from the time we're children. I've told you this before. I think that uh, uh, one of the first words that children learn to pronunciate is the word mine. And they learn to say it at such a pitch that it will bother a nerve that you have in your back. You'll be in another room and you'll hear this, mine, 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 mine. And, And a parent has to get up and go find where this sound is coming from. And you go to another room and it's normally a younger child pulling something from an older child and the younger child is saying, mine, 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 mine. Okay, let me just let you know, there's a day that all parents come to when we don't care anymore about justice. (laughs) We care about quiet. And so we end up saying something like this, give it to her. And the older child says, but dad, it really is mine. Give it to her. She has things of mine too. Give it to her. (laughs) We learn the word mine. Here's what God's hope is, that one day we outgrow that. But many of us don't. And when it comes to our money, we say, mine. This is why I believe that God says in the word that the first 10%, listen to what God says, is mine. So that we'll never confuse it. And you only have two choices with the tithe. Don't ever forget this. You can either bring it to the house of God or you can steal it. Those are the only two choices you have because it belongs to the Lord. Now, notice too what, what Judas said in this passage. And think about it, have, if you've ever had this thought. Why wasn't this sold and given to the poor? Sounds like a noble thought, doesn't it? But let me give you a little background on this. The Bible tells us he didn't say that because he cared about the poor. I, I've heard that statement a lot. Normally, we make that statement the same way Judas makes it when we look at the extravagance of someone else. I was uh, driving one time here in South Lake, had a pastor friend of mine in the car, and we drove past a a really large house, and uh, he said to me, wow, look at that house. And I said, you know, uh, actually that uh, uh, belongs to one of our members, and uh, he's a a really generous guy. And he said, generous? This is what he said. He said, he ought to sell that and give it to the poor. And um, I decided to just... uh, let go on him for a few moments. (laughs) I don't let go on a lot of people a lot of times, but sometimes they need it. And so I said to him, I said, I said, uh, you you know, you really don't care about the poor. And he said, what? I said, you don't care about the poor because if you really cared about the poor, you'd sell your house and give it to the poor. (laughs) And that guy probably actually gives a greater percentage of his income than you do. And, by the way, you know where that statement that Judas made came from? That statement came from Judas who betrayed our Lord. 
And the guy said, I'm sorry. <laughs> and we had a really good, good talk about it after that, after I had rebuked him sternly because he needed it. But the point is, that is a cover-up for selfishness. When you see the extravagance of someone else, let me tell you what extravagance is to most of us here. Anyone who has more than we do. Now, that's extravagant. But then if our income goes up some, it's not extravagant anymore. But now that guy's extravagant. Stop pointing the finger at other people's extravagance to cover up your own selfishness. That is exactly the heart of Judas. And we see in Scripture. Notice something else. He had the money box. And he used to take what was put in it. This is an offering box. Jesus was in traveling ministry. People gave offerings. We know that because the Bible tells us that. And he would take money out of the offering box. Now, I just want to ask you something. You know, we have offering boxes here. Uh, is there anyone here or any of our campuses that would take money out of our offering boxes? No. There's no one here that would take money out of the offering box because that money belongs to God. Right? So there's no one here that would take or keep money that belongs in the offering box, that belongs to God. Isn't it amazing that the Bible says that Judas was a thief and Malachi says that if you don't tithe, you're robbing God. See, I know we don't want to talk about these things, but the reason that I want to talk about them is because you're placing yourself under a curse, and I don't want you to live under a curse. I want you to live under the blessings of God. By the way, you ever thought about this? Who gave Judas the money box? Well, let me ask you another question and we can figure it out. Who was the leader of this group? Jesus. You think Jesus knew he was a thief when he gave him the money box? Sure he did. Uh, one year before this, Jesus said, did not I not choose 12 of you and one of you is a devil? He knew. He knew Judas would betray him. He knew. Why would he give him the money box then? Let me tell you why. God actually gives you opportunities to grow in your areas of weakness. He didn't give him the money box to fail. He gave him the money box to pass. And by the way, here's what the Bible says. You say, well, he was tempted with that. He shouldn't have given that to him. The temptation was too great. No, no, never, ever. Don't let no man say when he's tempted, he's tempted by God because God tempts no man. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, 13 says, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful. Watch this. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Every time Judas was tempted, first of all, it was never beyond what he was able. Second of all, God actually made a way of escape so that he could bear that. But he did it anyway because of selfishness. That's the enemy of generosity. Here's the second thing I want to tell you, the extravagance of generosity. This is 300 denarii. I told you a moment ago, that's a year's wage. The word denarii is the plural of the word denarius. Denarius is a day's wage. They actually change. People might say, well, how, what was the value of a denarius? I've had Bible college students ask me that. Well, I say, well, are you talking about in 10 AD or 20 AD or 30 AD? The reason is because it actually changed with inflation. It, it would be similar in our society to the minimum wage. The minimum wage was so much in the year 2000, it's so much now. 
That's the same, a denarius was a day's wage. 300 denarii, when you take off Sabbaths and, and days off and holidays and things, that's about a year's wage. So when he said, why wasn't this sold for 300 denarii? Why wasn't it sold for a year's wage? Now, think about this. Would a year's salary for, no matter who you are, any, everyone here, would a year's salary be an extravagant gift to give to the church? Well, sure it would for any of us, right? That's extravagant. But I want to ask you a second question. Would that impress God? Have you ever thought about that? How, how much money would impress God? Well, before you answer that, let me remind you about the city where he lives, that he built. The streets are paved with gold. And God didn't do that to show off. He did it because he has so much laying around. He's got to do something with it. It's asphalt in heaven. You know, you heard about the guy that snuck gold bars into heaven. You see, you know, they say you can't take it with him, but they, he got it in the casket and somehow he snuck it into heaven. And Peter said, open that suitcase. And he opened up his gold bars and Peter said, you brought asphalt? <laughs> <laughs> the foundation, the foundations of the walls, which are 1,380 miles wide and 1,380 miles long, are diamonds and rubies and precious stones. Again, he's not doing it to show off. They're just all over the place. And his gates, which are 1,380 miles high, are made of pearl. So how much money? And, and, oh, and let me just remind you one other thing. God owns everything. So how much money could you give that would impress God? Well, no money would impress God. But did you know that there's something that does impress God, that you, that you can give God? 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5 says, they first gave themselves to the Lord. And according to the Bible, God jumps up and down and twirls about over you. <laughs> he jumps up and down, and I'm using a paraphrase, and twirls about, he uses the word rejoices, but this word rejoicing means to twirl, and twirls about when you give him your heart. That's what excites God. Now, there are three levels, by the way, of giving in the Bible. Tithes, offerings, and extravagant offerings. And I can show you just about any offering in the Bible, and it's either a tithe, it's an offering, or it's an extravagant offering. Lots of extravagant offerings in the Bible. Uh, David gave 21 billion to the temple. That's not bad. Even for a king, that's not bad. Um, uh, here's an extravagant offering. The widow gave two mites. And Jesus said she gave more than, than all. Solomon offered a, th a thousand sacrifices. All sorts of extravagant offerings in the Bible. So tithes, offerings, extravagant offerings. When I saw this, I called Steve Doolin, one of our elders and a good friend of mine, because I was just so excited. And I said, did you know there are three levels of giving in the Bible? He said, yeah. I said, oh, you don't either. <laughs> See, you, you need to understand something. When a pastor finds something in the Bible, he thinks no one else has ever seen it before. I said, you don't know what they are. He said, yes, I do. I said, all right, name them. He said, tithes, offerings, and painful offerings. <laughs> I said, well, that's close enough. Do you realize that most Christians, according to the statistics, never get to the first level? The latest poll shows that of all Christians, do you know how many tithe? And let me explain again what tithing is. Tithing is 10% of your gross income, not your net. It's 10% of your gross, and it's undesignated to the church where you attend. 
to the church where you're fed, okay? Please hear me. It's not 5% here and 3% here or 2% here. It's not, it's 10% and it's undesignated. The reason it's undesignated is because it's not yours. People love to designate their gifts. You want to know why? Because we like control with our money. Pastor, if I, if I give a big gift, can I have an appointment with you? No. No. You, know, you can't control with your money. It's amazing how many people have tried that. That's amazing to me. This one guy who was going to give a big gift, and he wanted to transfer some things and all, and I knew him, and, it, and the church was even small. It was very small. And because then I was actually working and helping in this transfer of this asset, he said, listen, I need to, can I meet you tomorrow morning uh, at 10 o'clock to transfer this gift? And I said, no, because I study in the mornings. And he said to me later, you can't imagine how much that impressed me. I actually told a pastor this this last week, and he said, I'd have told him yes. <laughs> I said, well, I had a more important meeting. I was meeting with God. So, you know how many, the latest statistic of how many people actually give 10% of their income? 5 to 7%. 93 to 95% of Christians never even get to the first level of giving. By the way, if you ever get to the first level, you'll get to the second and the third level. You want to know why? Because the curse is broken and the windows of heaven are opened over you. <laughs> so, you'll get to the next level. Uh, and here's number three, the reward of generosity. If you look over in Mark chapter 14 now, this, this passage, by the way, is in John 12, Matthew 26, and Mark 14. You can read it in all three of the, in the three of the synoptic gospels. All right, and if you started at verse three, you would see the story, but we're going to start at verse nine. Verse nine says, assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. She got rewarded. Now, let me just clarify one thing. I said, you know, why did it bother Judas so much? Well, it bothered Judas because he was a thief, because he was not a tither because he took money out of the offering box. That's why extravagance, extravagance always bar, bothers non-tithers. Let me just say that. And, and my second question was, why did Mary give such an extravagant gift? Well, I think I know the reason. Because two months before, her brother had been raised from the dead. Can, can I ask you something? If one of your family members was raised from the dead, do you think that might change your view of worldly possessions? Well, let me remind you before you answer too quickly, according to the Bible, if you're a believer in Jesus, you were dead in trespasses and sin, and he has made you alive, we've all been raised from the dead. And that ought to change our view on worldly possessions. So she gives this extravagant gift. Now I'm telling you, the reward of generosity. Jesus said, wherever the gospel is preached, what she did today is gonna to be a memorial to her. Listen, do you realize that that's actually referencing that verse, my sermon today? <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you what this woman did. She came not thinking about that. She came simply, and you know why she did it, the Bible says? Jesus said she did this to prepare my body for burial. This was the only anointing that his body got for the few, few days he was in the tomb. This is it. They, they actually, they put him in the tomb right before the Sabbath. They didn't have time, so they actually come then the day after the Sabbath. They come to anoint his body, uh, you know, and they brought a hundred pounds of spices, it says, and they got there early in the morning, it says, but Jesus had already checked out. 
He wasn't there. So this is the only anointing that he got. She, in other words, she gave a gift and she didn't even know where it was going. Many, many times we give a gift, we give, we tithe, we give gifts here. We don't even know that it's going to build an orphanage somewhere else in the world. We don't even know where it's going. She just came and she gave. She gave this extravagant gift. It's amazing to me. But here's what I want you to understand. Jesus said, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will be a memorial to her. Here's what I want you to know. She came not expecting to receive and God rewarded her. God is a rewarder. Hebrews says God is a rewarder. A rewarder. It's the only time that word's in the Bible. It's actually a culmination of two Greek words. Here's what it means. The first one is a very common, very, very common Greek word. It means to pay what is due. To pay what is due. The second Greek word means, it's very rare, it's only used a few times, and it means to give over and above what is due extravagantly. So God is a rewarder. He'll not only give you what's, what's normal for tithing, he'll give you over and above. And here this woman came and did this. So here's, here's what I'm trying to tell you. If you'll give, if you'll give with the right heart, God is going to reward you. And I'm sorry, but I can't stop it. I'm sorry. I can't do anything about it because it's his nature. He's a rewarder. I told you a moment ago about Steve Doolin, one of our elders. Let me tell you something that happened to him one time. He, uh, uh, he's a guy that uh, for, uh, I think, about 20 years has given 50% of his income to the Lord. And God's blessed him tremendously. He teaches business seminars on how to operate your business God's way. And one day he paid all his bills and he looked at how much he had left in his checking account. And he thought, God, you are so good. And then he thought, I wonder how much I have in my savings account. So he went over and he looked at his savings account and he added the two numbers together. And then he thought, I wonder how much I have in my investment account. And he went and looked at that and he added the three numbers together. And then he thought, I wonder how much I have in retirement. God, you've just been, you're so good. And he went and got that number. He added all four numbers together and he got a very, very large number because God has blessed him tremendously financially. And he went to bed that night had this number, dollars and cents in his mind, woke up the next morning, he's having his quiet time, and the Lord said to him, how much money do you have? And he said, my first thought was, I knew I shouldn't have added those numbers up. <laughs> so he said, well, Lord, what, what do you mean? What do you, what do you mean, how much money do I have? You mean in my wallet, how much I have in my wallet? And the Lord said, how much money do you have? And he said, well, Lord, what do you mean? You mean in my checking account? I mean, what do you mean, Lord? What do you mean, how much money do I have? The Lord said, you know what I mean. How much money do you have? He said, well, God, I have this much. And the Lord said to him, will you give it to me? Would you give it to me? He said his first thought was what many of us would think, fear, because the enemy attacks. His second thought was joy. He thought, Lord, you probably don't ask very many people to do this. What a privilege. I'd love to give this to you. So he and his wife, Melody, gave it all away. At the, next, at the end of the next calendar business year, the Lord said to him, he's having his quiet time, the Lord said to him, hey, go add up those accounts again. He said, it's okay. He said, I trust you. It's good. <laughs> the Lord said, no, no, trust me. I've got something else in mind. He said, go add them up. He went and looked. All four accounts, listen to this, all of them had exactly twice as much as they had the year before. And the Lord said to him, what took you 15 years to do? I did in one. 
Never happened before in his business, never happened since. And in one year, God doubled everything that he gave. I have such a burden that every member of Gateway Church is a tither and a generous giver. I want us to live in generosity. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Just I, don't let that question be something you hear every week and you, you just forget. Ask, ask him right now. I want every person, every person, every campus, just ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? And God might answer you right now or he might answer you sometime next week. But ask the Lord, what are you saying to me through this message? And we want to pray for you. No matter what you're going through, if you're going through any type of a difficulty, if you need prayer for any area of your life, and no matter which campus you're attending, or if you're in an overflow room, or if you're on the second level at Southlake, we have prayer partners there as well. So if you want to pray with someone in just a moment, we're going to, I'm going to pray. After I pray, we'll stand. As soon as we stand up, you just stand up and step out and come forward. All right, just come to the front. Even if you're in the second level, at every exit at, at Southlake, we have people to pray for you. NRH, Frisco, no matter which campus you're attending, as soon as we stand up, just stand up, step out and come. Let us pray for you, all right? You don't have to be a member of Gateway Church to come for prayer. Holy Spirit, I pray you'll draw every person at every campus that has any prayer need. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise you, Jesus. I told you guys that um, when I was a young adolescent boy and God was saying, give me your life, I was terrified because I said, if I give you my life, you're going to make me marry a very ugly woman. Isn't that crazy? Our concept is what God is asking for us for, somehow he's going to mess us up. Well, you guys all know I didn't marry an ugly woman, inside and out, amen? Because God is faithful. But not only that, God began to deal with my life in many areas, and um, the issue with tithing was uh, one of those areas, giving to God, trusting God. Um, I have complete peace in my life at degrees that you guys all know because you guys live with me day in and day out. Uh, and my peace is my strength in the Lord. And you see with every economic disaster that happens in the world how people jump off of buildings. Uh, Stockbrokers jump off of buildings. People that don't have provision for Christmas kill their families. They have no peace. And when you start putting your treasures in the hands of God, you have absolute peace because he's an abundant God. He's an amazing God. The peace I have is worth more than all my net worth. The, how I sleep at night, just a whole bunch of things. The peace over my home, it, knowing where my provision comes from. David used to say, my help comes from the Lord who created the heavens and the earth. It's not my bank account. It's not where I work. It's not the industry. When I was practicing law, different areas of the law would bless me. One time it was real estate closings. And so I would bow down to real estate closings and the brook would dry up. And I was like, Lord, no more real estate closings. What's going to happen? And then uh, contract laws and, and uh, transactional laws, the provision came through there. And I would line up to bow down to that provision and it would dry up. And I said, Lord, what's going on? He says, you need to acknowledge me as your source. It's not the areas of your practice. I'm the one that blesses you in every route. So in the same regards, we bow to no man and to no industry. We bow to the Lord our God. And you'll see that in the course of time, 
when I didn't know how to read or write, the Lord made me a lawyer. I was very successful, made a lot of money, was blessed on every side. The Lord says, give it back. And when you start learning how to receive from God, you're able to give him back what he asked. So I said, Lord, you made me a lawyer. You could have my law career. I'm here to serve you. And so that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to serve him, not our finances, not our professions, not um, I remember one day some lady came in. She was terrified. She's like, Pastor, I only have $100,000 in my bank account. And I looked at her. I said, I won't tell you how much I have in my bank account because you'll commit suicide right now. At that time, I had $300 in my bank account. I was a pastor. I'm a lawyer. I have a family. I have four kids. If I had to sit there and 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 put my confidence in anything but the Lord, I couldn't be able to live. Another lady came. She was two children. She was stressed out. She, she didn't grab me that time. She grabbed one of the sisters at church, and she started saying, my life is over. I don't know what to do. I, I, and the, 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 the sister from our church, she, she grabbed her checkbook and wrote her a $300 check to help that lady with her children and her depression and her anxiety and her stress. Well, I knew both, both of the ladies. I knew the one that wrote the check only had $400 in her account. And the one that was crying had $30,000. And she didn't tell the lady that she had that money or else it was like a joke. Who would give somebody with $30,000 like 75% of what you have? And so the next day I told her, I called her, I said, listen, last night you came to our church and you had an attack with one of the sisters that heard you out. And she went over to her checkbook and wrote a check for $300. She has four children. You have $30,000 and two children. And yet the one who had peace and had God and had the source was able to bless you to a degree you really didn't need. But that's what it is when we don't understand what we're learning. I praise God for the refreshing in this house of this truth. Let's sing this song. Go ahead and stand up with me. And I hope that you're able to become free from any captivity, uh, free from any sense of manipulation, intimidation. Uh, free from anything but that you would be free to serve the Lord your God with the blessings of the rain that he causes it to pour.